0: Today, on The Courier Daily,
1: We are in the middle of a Category 10 storm while covering the shit out of the storm ourselves as a company. And so we've been hit as badly as anybody else in travel. We are in travel. Events is a big part of our business. It's not the only part of our business, but it's a big part of our business. And events were the first thing to get hit. And
0: a bit later on.
2: We convinced the team that they should stay on. We then convinced them that they should continue to work full time for a company where we had no access to revenue, no business to do, and no pipeline for bringing in new capital. So essentially my co-founder Deepak and I began to pound the pavement to all of our existing investors. We are really honest about our situation. We applied for every single relief and injury loan that's available and open to apply to. We built a pipeline of new investors to reach out to, and we just asked the team, like, can you bear with us and give us until the end of the month? If we don't hear at the end of the month, we know it's binary, it's black and white, and you're done.
0: I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 2nd of April, and this is the brand new Daily Podcast from Courier. I'll be catching up with business owners all over the world every day to hear how they're adapting, pivoting, and surviving. And we'll be doing the same thing in our new email newsletter, The Courier Weekly, as well. So make sure to subscribe at couriermedia.co slash sign up. Right, so today we're focusing on one industry in particular that's taken a severe beating in recent weeks, and that's travel. Uh, a bit later on, we'll head to New York to hear from one entrepreneur who's trying to adapt to keep her travel startup alive. But first, we're with Rafat Ali, the CEO and founder of Skift, the travel-focused media company. And uh, Rafat, I sort of want to go from the really bad to the sort of less bad, so we can end on a high note. So first, the really bad is the macro level snapshot of the travel industry. Um, At least from the outside, it seems pretty terrible. I mean, you tweeted a piece about the coronavirus controls in Asia uh, recently, and you said it's a particularly scary read for the sector. What do you mean by that?
1: The hope is that this pandemic gets over in the next few months and that Asia is showing the green shoots that will be there for the rest of the world to follow. It's only a matter of weeks or maybe a few months. It's clear that international travel, which is crossing borders, using planes, etc., etc., is not going to come back in any meaningful fashion pretty much the rest of the year or maybe until the vaccine, one, gets started manufacturing, second, gets started administering, third, gets propagated through the world and then people have developed resistance. So that seems like well into 2021 type scenario. Right now, the international travel that has started in Asia, this was the story that the New York Times had, they're either shutting it down to international travel again, after reopening it a tiny bit, or they're quarantining people who are coming in for 14 days. There's no way the world can function like that. No way leisure travel, Nobody has the money to do that, to be quarantined for 14 days or mental bandwidth or anything to cope with this. So this is extreme of extreme scenarios. So that's why I've been more bearish on on the travel industry, the industry that feeds me and my company and my people than anybody else in the industry.
0: So if I'm a hotel owner right now, or I own a travel tour company in Barcelona, I mean, when can I realistically expect to have my business to some semblance of normality, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's a question that you know scientists will have to answer first before it comes to people like us. And I think that the one hope is that local travel, not domestic within a country, I'm talking really local travel, you and me, me in New York, you in London, uh, going outside two hours, three hours type, drive type, which was certainly one of the original ways in which modern leisure travel was invented. I think the drive market will get a recovery I've said that ironically vacation rentals which have been obviously been hugely hit this is Airbnb type companies if you want to go two hours outside of New York you don't want to stay in a hotel you potentially want to stay in a in a vacation rental that you can self disinfect as you're there have more space around you maybe it's in a rural setting maybe near a lake et cetera et cetera that type of stuff which by the way is happening now a bunch of the people that have have the means to escape the city with kids, especially people with kids, this is happening in my company, have taken Airbnbs in rural New Hampshire, rural New York, etc., etc., et, cetera, et cetera, away from humanity. Obviously, that's a luxury most people don't have. I feel like that will be there. We, and we see that in places like Singapore today, where local tourism, Sentosa, which is an island off Singapore, where the casinos, et cetera, are there, People are doing staycations. This is Singaporeans, uh, or sorry, people who live in Singapore staying there. Casinos, et cetera, are operational. Not at the level that it is, but at least it's, it's being sustained by the people that are there. With the requisite social distancing, obviously, Singapore has a much more organized system than the rest of the world. So I think that's from the very dark to at least some optimism. I think that's what it is. For the next year?
0: Yeah, I mean, we did say we want to go from bad to slightly less bad. So, I mean, every crisis has a silver lining, opportunities, however dire. I mean, you guys put out a research report recently that looked into whether uh, VC should be betting on travel. Last year was a record year for VC investment in travel. I mean, lo and behold, this year obviously doesn't look like it's going to be a record year. But then again, you also pointed out that, you know, hundreds of startups, you know, in the recession of 2008 went on to raise billions as well. I mean, is this different or is that kind of the same?
1: Right. Yeah. And this is true for, in terms of venture investments, this this is true for any type of crisis where initially the venture dries out because the immediate impact happens. And then the VCs and startups that come, let's say, from the midpoint of a recession towards the latter half of the recession, they come out much stronger. And that happens for all the reasons you can imagine, lower costs, just, you know, more creativity in terms of figuring out solutions with less money and less resources, etc. So I do see that happening in, a, in the larger venture startup world. I'm less optimistic in travel today. I think most of the investors for now, the reaction has been, how do we double down on our existing investments and, you know, shore them, make sure they survive versus new investments? And it's also, you can imagine VCs are humans. They're people like you and me. They're worried about the same things you and I are worried about. How is our family safe? How do we keep ourselves safe? How do we make sure our, our team is, there, is safe? How do we make sure we don't catch the virus, et cetera? Like these are human, real human things that everybody's dealing with. In that mental Space. Do you have the bandwidth to one developer a, a relationship with a new startup founder that you've never met before? Two. Do you you know then do you can you do the diligence on this company, which is what every VC does obviously before they make an investment. In this scenario, with anybody, and then do you make an investment decision? I think small checks, potentially you know micro C type. Checks will still be written in the travel industry at the start.
0: Into what particular areas of travel? I mean, you know, is it the domestic thing, like you said? Contingency planning type B2B
1: solutions. You know, we've seen obviously the effect on customer service on every part of the travel industry, airlines, hotels, cruises, et cetera. So I do think that customer service and automation, unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at automation, will become better and the norm. And this is not just in travel, large automation services that have larger services, not just in travel, but in particularly in travel. So this is very much tech heavy companies. Coming out of recession, how do you distribute cheap fares and cheap hotel rates in the widest way possible beyond just your own channels? I think distribution players. Ironically, over the last few years, you could argue that the online travel agencies, bookings and Expedia's of the world, were fighting so they were in a battle with the brands themselves Marriott's and all the other giant hotel chains and airlines of the world where they want these brands wanted people to come directly to their sites to book so that they don't have to give the commission to these giants Expedia TripAdvisor etc etc I think after the crisis because there's a lot of glut of cheap inventory these online booking sites will gain more power again which is what they had after the 2008 crisis And so potentially new ways of booking, I think, flexible booking policies, flexible loyalty policies, anything that enables any startups that enable that type of stuff, I think will be better positioned. And some of them exist, some of them don't. So we'll see new stuff come in as well.
0: And now Skift as a media company, I mean, you guys are a travel and hospitality and food and drink and luxury uh, vertical media company. Now's not necessarily a great time to be a media company. However, you guys are also in your element telling amazing stories about the crisis. So what's going on behind the scenes at Skift?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, March just ended. So I mentioned this yesterday to my team internally that it's uh, its an incredibly sad month and an incredibly exhilarating month at the same time. It's the best work our team has done in their lifetime, this editorial research, other teams in the company, et cetera, while we have been hit. So we are in the middle of a category 10 storm, by the way, category 10 does not exist as a category in in storms, but let's just call it that, while covering the shit out of the storm ourselves as a company. And so we've been hit as badly as anybody else in travel. We are in travel, events is a big part of our business. It's not the only part of our business, but it's a big part of our business. And events were the first thing to get hit.
0: And some companies are even stopping their entire events division forever. I mean, they think events are just done for like forever.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, to each their own on that one, I don't think it's forever done. I do think that the reality of, I think a hybrid world will reemerge however long that takes, which is actually good. I do think that for years, These virtual technologies were available, just that none of us were using it, or it it didn't become mainstream in the way that obviously it is now today. And so, you know, we've been hit as badly as anybody else can be. We are a much smaller team today than we were, you know, a month ago. And you know, the main goal for me has been as we've thought through the challenge and the cuts in our company, is how do I not cripple any one single department in the company? Two, how do I make sure the quality of the work that we're doing continues even if the volume is not as high because we just have less people? And how do I make sure that in our editorial, which is the engine of the company, has always been the engine of the company, comes out as intact as, as possible such that they're the engine that takes us you know, to recovery on the other end? We will be an extremely essential tool of recovery when the travel industry is in recovery mode. As we are today, trying to decipher what's happening now. So I see our role hasn't changed now. It won't change going ahead. So, you know, that gives me hope. It also is just a heartbreaking time for all the possible reasons, not just in our company, but I'm sure everybody in any company in the world is going through in ways big and small.
0: Thanks, Rafa. And make sure to head to skift.com for more travel news from Rafa and his team. We're going to cross now to one travel startup entrepreneur who's pivoting her business to survive. Caitlin Zano is the founder of Porter and Sale, which is essentially like a hotel concierge app. You can book a hotel, check out on the ground experiences and do a lot more. Caitlin, you know, we caught up with you a few weeks ago in our Curry Weekly newsletter to see how you guys were faring. I know there was a dramatic drop in revenue, obviously, given all of your clients are hotels and almost all of them are now temporarily shutting down. So what's going on?
2: So that situation remains. In fact, it's gotten worse from the hotel standpoint. So the last time we spoke, we were just sort of dealing with the shock of watching the entire industry shutter their doors. And it was sort of one hotel after another. But there were still some of our core clients that were up and running. Today, everyone is closed, basically. It's pretty remarkable. We are bracing for that. We were then sort of looking at that as the base case. And so the business began to strategize, okay, what do the next four or five months look like? Assuming that there are no hotels for us to work with and there are no guests coming in. And what does that mean for our product? So we very quickly built and launched two new products, but we also paused our core product suite. The very value that we bring to properties and to hotels, we've had to just temporarily shut down because it costs dollars to maintain and there are no hotels to, to service. So that's really wild just in, what, two weeks that our entire business has actually been flipped on its head.
0: Two weeks ago when we last talked, you guys had to cut your team by a significant proportion and you said you know, you're trying to make payroll and keep health insurance for your remaining team. Obviously, you just talked about developing two new products. We'll get into that in in a sec. But what's the state of the company itself?
2: So also not much better. (laughs) You know, I think the positive in both of these conversations is that we're still having a conversation. So we're still here. Thanks to the team, really. So we just cured all of March. So both the 15th and 31st payrolls just got pushed out like within the past several hours. So we convinced the team that they should stay on. We then convinced them that they should continue to work full time for a company where we had no access to revenue, no business to do, and no pipeline for bringing in new capital. So essentially, my co-founder Deepak and I began to pound the pavement to all of our existing investors. We're really honest about our situation. We applied for every single relief and injury loan that's available and open to apply to. We built a pipeline of new investors to reach out to. And we just asked the team, like, can you bear with us and give us until the end of the month? If we don't cure at the end of the month, we know it's binary, it's black and white, and you're done. And so truly, like, down to the wire, we were able to cure it. I mean, and the team themselves were like, we didn't think you were going to pull this off. But good on them. They were willing to sort of give us that extra week and a half to see if if we could pull through. So, okay, so we've made up for March. We have the team that's remaining, which is the core team. They continue to work. Of course, now everyone is asking, but what about April? And do you have a buffer of which the answer is no. But I think the big difference is we're seeing success with our product and we're building a new pipeline of sources of capital that didn't even exist two weeks ago. And so at least now there's something that we can move forward to. And I think that's the big difference between now and two weeks ago is that there's actually something to talk about. And and two weeks ago, it was just the business almost, you know, was was dead within, within days. It was wild.
0: So you're doing a few different things, right? You're trying to innovate with products within the travel industry and you're also just hustling to make payroll, right? The two products you're working on, one is a... A hotel community, sort of like a, a town square for hospitality managers and founders to to learn, to talk, to vent, to share ideas. How's that going?
2: It's great. It's really, really good. We're getting, I think, more traction than we even anticipated. We built it because we weren't finding a curated space with filtered information and strong resources for hotels, and we kept on setting up meetings to talk to our clients, and then they would write and be like, "I have to close my properties, and I don't know how to do it," and so we started to think through, okay, well, we're not going to get any capital from our hotels, but can we sort of solidify our position as a thought partner? And frankly, like we have our personal relationships with these clients. We love them. They're independent hotels. We believe in the work that they're doing. So that's where we decided to create this community to give them some answers. The crazy thing is, and these are all the great stories that come out of, you know, sort of downtimes, like this product and our other product are actually performing better than expectations. And we're doing better work now than we had been for a few months. So, you know, it's one of those moments where that that pressure to innovate is really creating products that the market truly wants and we're seeing that that fit in ways that we haven't seen in a while.
0: It's a t- sort of a creative destruction thing, right?
2: Yes, that's right. It's also like a little depressing. Like in a week we just built two products that are getting a ton of traction where it took us, you know, six months and eighty-five thousand dollars to try and build something that was a little bit more challenging (laughs) to get off the ground. So that definitely makes you think in a go-forward business, like, man, we could be a lot more scrappy.
0: The second product is a sort of your version of the hotel version of gift cards, essentially. You're calling it hotel credits.
2: Yes, that's exactly it. And it's at a discount. So you can buy $300, let's say, to an amazing resort in Tulum, Mexico for 200 bucks. And so it's a way of consumers to sort of I hate to say this, let me let me be more diplomatic, to leverage the moment and capture some of those travel deals while doing it in a responsible way. So we're not telling anyone to travel now, you shouldn't. That's also like super tone deaf, but it really is, as a consumer, if you didn't think you could snag this kind of deal at this property, now you can. And for the hotels, it's capital that comes in right now, we're not charging any fees. It's literally cash in the door.
0: And you guys take a cut of that, obviously. There's a revenue path for that product.
2: So right now, we are not charging any fees, which is wild considering there's no revenue path for Porter and sale. It just it wouldn't have worked. I think every single hotel would have been like, no, like I need to conserve cash. Even a cut of that, I think, would have ruined the inventory pipeline. So right now, we're just getting hotels in. We're lining up that inventory. We're proving out the traction. One of our properties, we literally filled the equivalent of 10% of room nights booked. So this isn't like an economic downturn where no one is traveling. I mean, booking.com on average covers 20% of room nights booked. So it's half of that in this sort of moment. Look, I mean, we'll do this for what, 12 weeks? <laughs> and then maybe start to turn on that. Okay, can we take a fee off of, off of the dollars we're driving?
0: But in the meantime, how is the company, how is the company surviving?
2: So we have two investors that have come in and sort of stepped up to bridge us, but that only covered March. So we're looking through a few different paths for April. So one is certainly continuous conversations with our existing shareholders. The second is new investors that likewise leverage the opportunity and sort of are interested in companies in a downturn. So those are new conversations we're having. And then the third is applying for all of the economic injury and relief assistance that the United States is sort of pushing out. We've also cut down our burn. We're also taking cuts as the, like on the executive team. We've really, I mean, more than, you know, 60, 70%, we've reduced our, our burn per month. So all of a sudden what it takes to get through a month is, is a lot less than it did, you know, a few weeks ago, which also makes getting over sort of each hurdle a lot easier And look, we're going to start to look at different ways to monetize, but I think we still have to try to carefully, especially in our industry where hotels don't know if they can pay their mortgages. So for us to go and ask for a cut of anything would just not just kill the relationship, but really shows a level of just a a dearth of understanding.
0: Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin Zanna there from Porter and Sell. And you can find out more about those two products she was just talking about at porterandsell.com. My special thanks to Rafat Ali and Caitlin Zano for today's show. Like I said yesterday, at Courier, we honestly want to make sure you and your business make it through the coming months, so just shoot me any questions you have that you want answered from financial to legal to design to anything really. Just get in touch at daniel at couriermedia.co, and we'll try and answer a few of the questions on a show once a week. Make sure to sign up also to Courier Weekly for more stories of pivoting and surviving and growing that's at couriermedia.co slash signup. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. Courier Daily back again tomorrow.